I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Hunt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It's time once again for another riveting edition of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We are at 1500 Buck Slayer Place right in the Buckatorium. I'm Steve. Kurt is in the studio. Kurt, what's up? Thanks for having me over. Hey, man. It's your house. Got to invite you somehow. <laughs> and Eric? Good morning. It is not morning. Well, maybe in Sherrard it is because uh, maybe Podcast some people land, are, it could be yeah. anytime at once. Yeah, that's good. Hey, for all those of you who are just waking up, good morning. <laughs> it's like shade for wipe, wipe the crust out your eyes yeah it's a it's a lovely morning to listen to some great bow hunting podcast tips and uh tricks and all the trade secrets right here on the working class bow hunter podcast good morning to all we could have a morning show wow man that would be you awesome said. you did that pretty good i know i do man i got a knack for it you know what i got a knack for man tell me uh i love doing podcasts and mm-hmm. I've got a knack for it, but I could not do it without the wonderful folks at Elite Archery. That's right. Elite Archery. Elite Archery. From the tempo to whatever option you're going to shoot. And I love that because I fall into that pun. And yeah. It's like, well, there's so many options, and, but I'm not really. Did you? Is that like an air quote thing you just did there? Pretty Option. much, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Option six, option seven, tempo. We all know what that's about, don't we, fellas? Oh, yeah. We do. We do yeah. know what that's about. You it's know what glorious. else? You know what? Uh, you know what? I'm not about. I'm not about stinking. And do you want to know how I'm going to get? <laughs> <laughs> well, you always <laughs> stink. Pro- so. Yeah, I love how professional this went. Uh, we're also brought to you by Scent Crusher. 
If you want to eliminate odors, like eliminate the stinkiness. Come on, guys. Did you really think we were selling out on you? Oh, we're, we're real right here. Scentcrusher. Scentcrusher.com. Scentcrusher.com. Eliminating all odors. You need to get you a, a tote. You need to get one of the, the hunter clo- the, the closets. I always want to call them the hunter closets, but you can use it for so much more. That's what they are called. That's, I, why, that's why you feel like calling it that. I know. <laughs> that's but, what it's called. But it's so much more. You know, like you wouldn't just call a multi-tool a knife. Now, would you? Technically, yeah. you could. Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah. But the cool thing is you can put your bow in there. You can put your elite bow, whatever bow you shoot you in there. You can put anything in there. Yes, you could. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's a, an overlooked idea of where you got it. Well, normally, I sprayed that scent killer spray on my bow, and it leaves that white residue, crappy residue yeah. all over. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? My finish is messing up. Absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely no residue when it comes to uh, the scent crusher. You use uh, ozone technology. It's science. You can't argue with science. Well, you could, but then you would think that the earth is actually round. So moving on. The, the podcast is also brought to you by HHA Sports and uh, good old Wisconsin, USA. Wisconsin. Um, they have, yep. I mean, they're the leader in the single pin sites, uh, backed by a lifetime warranty uh, made in America from the single pin. Whatever site you choose, there's a variety to fit your application. Now a three pin. Yep. Yes. Also multi pin and the Virtus drop away rest. Virtus twenty two, wonderful. Uh, and they're they're coming check out, out the, big things this year. Yes, they are, man. I'm I'm very proud of what uh, what those cats are doing over there. HHA, go check them out. HHAsports.com. See our good friend Scott Bakken. He's our uh, come to be really good friends with Scott. Really he's, good uh, friends. We enjoy that 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 fellow. That fella. And he's really good looking. Yeah, bud. Oh, he's a good looking bud. He is a beautiful man. He is. Speaking of good looking, Scotts. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing. Scott, uh, due for an episode, I would say, here pretty soon. Maybe we've already done one. Maybe we haven't. Nobody knows. It's Nobody podca- knows. It's podcast. podcast. Anything can happen. He might be listening to this on Shuffle, but Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing.com. <laughs> Beautiful Viola, Illinois. <laughs> for our local listeners, you got to get over there and check it out. We were doing uh, some giveaways for yes. some discounts at Smith's. And uh, we have another one coming up soon. Maybe it's already happened. It's in podcast line. Anything can happen right now. You never know. Um, so just check out workingclassboner.com. Check our Facebook videos um, on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, of course. Snapchat. 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 You keep forgetting Snapchat. WCB podcast on Snapchat. Um, so, yeah, we're super thankful for all our supporters or sponsors or whatever you want to call them. Um, if you want to say we're selling out, that's fine. But it's all stuff we, we use and love. Yeah. And, uh it works for us, and that might not work for you, and that's completely okay. Let us know what does work for you. We can talk about it. We can talk it out. We can be friends. Yeah, workingclassbowhunter.com. Send us an email, workingclassbowhunter at gmail.com. Let us know if you don't like it or you like it, whatever it is. <laughs> I just kind of left that <laughs> left that generic. <laughs> Moving on, the vet shout-out, Dark Horse Lodge. Guys, Dark Horse Lodge is moving forward. They're getting the process rolling. They could use your donations. Go to darkhorselodge.org. Donate to them. Find them on social media. You're going to buy stuff on Amazon. Tis the season to buy stuff on Amazon. Maybe you're listening around Christmas time. I don't know. (laughs) Smile.amazon.com. From what I understand now, because I don't use Amazon that frequently as I should, but once you do smile.amazon once, it automatically pops up when you go to Amazon. So it'll, it'll ask you if you want to go to mm-hmm. Amazon Smile. So do so, it once. So if you got to buy some new fletchings. Yes. And uh, like what I did, I bought some fletchings and was really unhappy with it. So I bought some new fletchings and uh, smile.amazon.com. Yeah. Ooh. And if you're wondering what Dark Horse Lodge is, 
Peaceful Retreat for Combat Vets. I'm sure we've talked about them enough, but this is podcast land. Never know when you're listening. So it's going to be a very cool place. We're hoping that goes along very smoothly, man. These guys went overseas and uh, wrote their name on that blank check, came back, and, you know, if you can give just a little bit back to them, smile that Amazon isn't going to charge you anymore. And you could just, if you want to give your money, they're going to take it. They're That's nonprofit. Right. So. DarkHorseLodger.org. Check them out. Thank you for that veteran shout-out, Steve. Anytime. Um, I want to talk about something real quick before we move on to our guest here. Let's hear um, it. I, I feel like we should give the people uh, my honest product review. And uh, maybe you have great product reviews. And the, the way I was using it, I maybe could be incorrect. I bought some AAE Max Hunter Fletchings online uh-huh. um, through Amazon. And uh, I couldn't get them to stick to my damn god arrows there at all. They kept coming off my arrows, and I don't know if it's used for. Um, and I have their their glue, their Max Bond glue, like they tell you to get, and everyone tell you to get. And I clean the arrows, the arrows, the fletchings, everything's cleaned. I have a Bits and Burger Fletcher, um, so I don't know what it is. If I just I didn't have a wrap on the end of my arrows, and I don't know if that's what they're intended for as a wrap. But I don't know. Almost every fucking fletching came off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so or yeah. the corners were all popped up. So I ripped them all off. And I'm going back to the old school Blazers. Yeah, and, maybe uh, if, maybe if Kurt was doing something wrong, if you guys had this issue, email us at workingclassbowhunter.gmail.com. I have a suspicion like it's a, the wraps. You think so? Yeah. You think that's what it is? Mm-hmm. It's because probably they want like you a, to buy their AE wraps, and then yeah, they want you to... You know, but it's just like car parts. It's like, oh, yeah, don't uh, use this unless you buy Motorcraft parts. No, I don't know. I, I, who knows? I, I mean, something could just be up. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's uh, what I noticed. It, I feel like this is fun to talk about. Um, I compared the like the base of the fletching where it glues to your uh-huh. arrow, and the AE Max Hunters are like t- just over twice as big as the. Well, it looks like the channel is a lot bigger on the AE than the. Mm-hmm. Um, in the than the, the blazer, the blazer, the blazer yeah. yes. It looks yeah, it's way wider, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm shooting. A, I'm shooting a, right now a gold tip kinetic. Um, XT, and I don't know if that arrow is too thin a diameter for this fletching. Oh, I wonder. But it doesn't. It didn't clarify when I bought them. It didn't say that I have to use a wrap. It didn't say. It didn't. Even, I don't think it even says what glue you should use. Any where I ordered it from, it didn't. Well, hold on. So are you saying it's not the Kurt? It's the arrows. No, I'm saying I don't know all what right. it is. All right, all I'm right. saying if I'm a, I'm kind of asking for help or an idea or advice, suggestion. Advice. Oh, and this is also kind of like just pre be warned. Like, yeah. If don't you spend your hard earned money on this if you're you could have this issue. I tore them all off and threw them in the garbage. Yeah. And I know Eric, you shoot those those fletchings. Yeah, I've, I've shot them before and they were fine for me. So but, I don't know. But you have wraps though, don't you? Yeah, I shoot wraps on yeah. all my. I fletching. think that's the issue. But mm-hmm. I'm going. I went to old school blazers. I don't want to mess around with wraps and stuff. So again, don't spend your hard earned money. But if you got ill gotten money, spend it away. My as well you gotta get rid of it somehow <laughs> that's my little edition of the working class bow hunter honest product review of i don't know what the hell what i just made this whole segment up just now on the fly it's hey, beautiful it yeah, it whatever you guys didn't even know about it i just i just went with it so maybe we'll do those more often yeah it's podcast land did we know about it um honestly we had no idea <laughs> <laughs> this week on the podcast we have the boys from the whitetail experience yes and we are going to talk to Byron and, and his fellas here and see what they're all about, what they got going on, where you can find them. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Um, good old hunting camp conversation here at the Working Class Bow Hunter. We love it, don't we? Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy. Thanks again for listening, and we love you. All right, on the phone with us, we've got Byron and Dave from Whitetail Experience. You can check them out on Instagram. 
They're going to tell you all about what they're about. Did that sound weird? No, it sounded right. All right very good. All right, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm on it today. Byron and Dave, whoever wants to go first, how are you? Doing well, Steve. Uh, just finishing up some stuff here, and uh, time to sit down and talk some deer hunting with you. Oh, awesome. man, hopefully you got a cold beer in one hand and a phone in the other. That's, a, that's how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's working. Hopefully, I think it might be cutting out. Can you hear us, Byron? Yeah, yeah, you guys are crystal clear. Okay, I thought we were having some drop yeah. out here. Um, tell everyone who you are and uh, or who you guys both are and what you guys do. Yeah, so we are kind of the, the head honchos of the uh, Whitetail Experience, which is a brand kind of geared, geared towards your average Joe guys hunting public land and small parcels, really. Uh, we felt there was a, a need or a consumer out there that would like you know some tactics, tips, as well as a, a brand that would put out quality videos and quality photos. And, and that's kind of our direction and, and kind of our area of expertise. Awesome, man. I think our listeners really dig into that, especially like the public, the public land. And the small parcel thing. I think a lot of our listeners are doing that same thing. Yeah, it's super relatable yeah. um, to, I'd say, 95% of hunters and bow hunters out there right now. Yeah, it's... It, it's... The, the average Joe may have permission on, say, like a 40 acres that his grandpa owns or, or get permission from a lady up the street who's got a 10-acre woodlot. Um, and, you know, I felt like a lot of shows out there, they don't cater to that individual. Mm, I would agree. Um, I mean, I'm in that same boat um, now more than ever, actually. That's all I'm hunting now It's 40 acres. And um, I've always hunted smaller ground, but this was kind of – the property i got put on didn't have as much deer as what i was used to so you just got to stay you got to stay on it you can't get lazy otherwise you're gonna have zero success if that if you let that happen to you yeah yeah you definitely got to be smart so talk about where did like how did white the whitetail experience all get started like where were you like okay i'm finally going to put some stuff together here and, and call in a team and and when you actually called it a thing i guess is what i'm getting at yeah here. Yeah. So it's funny. Um, Dave and I actually went to school together, went to college together and played basketball. Didn't talk much deer hunting. And uh, a few years after that, he messaged me on a hunting forum and said, hey, like, I remember you from school. And uh, we got to talking and I had just really kind of started hunting uh, public ground. And I saw that Dave had been very successful and taking a couple nice bucks. And so we, we started linking up. We started hunting together, and, and I wanted to learn more about public because I, I had limited private spots, and I, I saw the benefit to doing that. And um, then I kind of started you know, being a little more successful and, and thought, we might be able to do this. I have a, a business background, and, and so he, he, I feel like, is the better hunter of the two of us, but we, we make a great team together. And then I kind of had an all-in – uh, moment and I, I I was listening to a competitor's podcast and <laughs> <laughs> a competitor <laughs> yeah uh, I be- mean, they, believe me no one's competition for us well naturally <laughs> but that day the, the guy didn't know what a schwacker broadhead was and then later gave the tip of the day was if you see a buck moving on a ridge and you're sitting in tree stand a don't move he doesn't know you're there like it blew my mind that the tip of the day was you just gained sighting and insight into how to kill a buck and the the action or course to kill that deer was to do nothing, Uh, not even (laughs) adjust your strategy in the slightest. 
And I just said, I, I think, I think we've got something here. And, uh, Dave actually had a pretty cool all in moment with some, some bigger guys. I'd like to him to tell you a little bit about. For sure. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I guess I just, uh, you know, I, I knew some people who, who do some filming for some, some, uh, some larger TV shows and whatnot. And they just, I started trying to sit down and talk with some deer and yeah, it just, it just blew my mind how, uh, the, the little, lack of knowledge that they had i guess on the on the topic and mm-hmm. i was just i was surprised and i told byron i said hey man you want to do this i said i'm all in with you um you know byron kind of recruited me and he's the business guy i'm just uh i'm the talent <laughs> hey there you go were you the dave were you the better basketball player too <laughs> actually it was just pickup basketball but of course yes oh okay yeah <laughs> even on the smaller courts yeah i still dunked on dude <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, all right, so you guys got the Instagram page rolling. You've got the YouTube thing going, uh, the YouTube channel. I always forget it's a channel. Yeah. Now, do you find that, and I, I know we did this in the podcast, you guys went all in. You know, you decided, hey, this is something I want to do. There's nobody out there doing what we want to do. How much free time do you miss? <laughs> because if you guys are all in, I know like with this podcast – there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Oh, yeah. It's very much, I consistently, you know, a, a slow day for me is maybe one or two hours of either taking photos or working on a website, video editing. Mm-hmm. It's it's never ending. Or it, it could be simple things like, uh, you know, I'll call Dave after work and we talk 30 minutes of strategy on my drive home about different pieces of public and what we think we need to do moving forward with the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really funny. He sent me a text one day and he goes, well, we're not going to make any money doing this, are we? And then dot, dot, dot. But we're going to have a lot of fun spending some money on this project. <laughs> yeah. That's how it is, man. We I mean, all know how that goes. Yeah, no matter boy. what you do, I think no matter, absolutely no matter what you do in the hunting industry, that's the way it goes. Yeah. For the most yeah, part. I spend, I spend a lot of time myself. Uh, you know, Byron does a lot of the business stuff, the photos, the the Instagram, the the web pages, whatnot. You know, I'm you know I spend a lot of time looking at topos, um, trying to find new spots. You know, looking at forums, looking at advice. Um, you know, because I mean, we do have a group of us, and we all want to be successful. So you know, I can't just target one bug necessarily. You know, I'm trying to find bucks for the for the team. Right, absolutely. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's a good now, thing for your team. <laughs> it is. Now I'm gonna uh, now I'm ask the hardest question. I think that uh, that I think we'll ever be asking you guys. Why, oh, why would uh, Steve, as a fan, decide to check your guys' Instagram out over some other girl's Instagram who maybe shoots a bow once or twice but has Huntress in her name? Why would I pick you guys? (laughs) Shots fired. Shots fired. Hey, we're ruthless today. Uh, No, I completely understand the question, Steve. Um, I would go with the, the fact that, yes, that girl is pretty, but can she help you hang a rack on your wall you can watch all year round, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> hey, we got you. We feel you. Pick it, pick it up what you're putting down. We're smelling what you're stepping in. Okay. <laughs> I Yeah, no, completely get that. You guys, um, you know, seasoned vets, you, what, uh, nope. what... Can I touch on what, what we just discussed oh, yeah, about yeah, real quick? Let, let's touch. Let's and, touch And guys, I, I'm hoping you'll agree with me here. And my thing is lately, I've been kind of going through my... Uh, personal feed and a working class bow hunter feed and looking at some of the people I follow and 
you know, there is those instances where it could just be a pretty girl who's like clinging on to this outdoor hunting thing to gain likes and followers. And I get that. Whatever. I get it. Um, but I've kind of been looking. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to follow you and I don't know you personally, what can I learn? What can I, what is my reason for following you? If it's just because you follow, you get what I'm at here. Like yeah. there's no reason yeah. to look up to you, sure. learn or, or basically interact with you in a positive way for the better of what I'm in this industry for. It's kind of pointless for me to even be connected with you. Whereas, and that might sound super negative to some people. And then maybe some people kind of get exactly where I'm going with that. But, um, like, I just want to be with good people in the industry that are are going to push things in a positive direction is basically where I'm at on all that. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys agree or not, but uh, or at least get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, like, and I, I take the, the, the Instagram account and our social media feed. Um, you go to our account. We don't have cell phone pictures. They're, they're crisper, cleaner images to kind of show that, you know, we care about the product we're putting out there. But the direction we're going to take actually with our YouTube page is kind of for people that are looking to get some content, some tactics and some strategies. Um, guys that, that, that'll listen to somebody talking and, and look for ways to improve their own hunting. Uh, I, I feel like social media is a game of, of, you know, capturing quick attention spans, short videos, mm-hmm. crisp photos. But with our YouTube page, that's where I'm going to, you know, release videos. We we sit down and talk uh, with a guy who hunts a 30 acre piece, and this will be out by the time this airs. And it's he's got a very interesting tactic to how he enters and exits stands um, that is just next level. And and that's the kind of you know the consumer that goes to YouTube and says, okay, I want to better my hunting strategy on on public public land, or maybe I've got 20 acres. I want to get that guy on my YouTube page and then, oh, these guys are on Instagram. These guys are on Facebook. Wow, they're producing crisp images, pretty cool highlight videos, follow. So that's kind of how I want to get some attention yeah. that way. Man, I agree. I think that's the best way to do it. Um, are you still there? Did we lose you? Or not? Just, nope. It sounded like, oh, like, like a hard cutout. He, he, um, like, he was like, and that's how, he, that's how he wanted to end it on. No, <laughs> he just hangs up, mic drop. All right. Um, but no, that... No, I, I agree with that completely. That's awesome. And that's, um, I'd say our Instagram would be that clean, but we post really anything <laughs> from our cell phone or whatever. We're just working class style, I guess. But uh, Yeah, because it, it fits us, but obviously I get where you're coming from. I appreciate your hustle for sure. Yeah, you you put the time and effort in and you know you spend the the extra couple hours to, to really put out good images. And I think that's such a positive thing for the industry to to really have. Now, I'm not bashing. I mean, if you've got great footage and it's on a, you know, and the only way you can get it is a cell phone, that's absolutely fine, too. But, you know, it just shows a little bit of dedication what you guys do. And, again, not knocking anyone else, but we appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. the hustle. Um, so, fellas, moving on. So, the last few episodes, we had uh, Sam Ubel, we had Greg Litzinger, um, some, some very respected public land guys. And since you guys are in that realm as well, and since you called me out about public land. Oh, yeah. I had to call you out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to call you out, boss. Yeah. No, no, not you. Byron called me oh, out. Oh, I called you out, and then he appreciated me calling you out. Oh, I thought he yes. did. Call- All right. So so just just a little bit of love for the show is what yeah, Byron was giving us. a little bit, yeah. But basically, what we've been asking is, let's talk about public land and the scouting and maybe some like top three tips that you would give for hunting public ground. And we'll basically, our listeners can compare notes. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that would be great. I actually connected with Sam after the show, and and uh, now I'm on his Chase Nation app, and uh, that that was a cool connection through you guys. He's a great guy. Um, oh, he's a cool dude. Yeah. So kind of getting things kicked off, um, this is kind of a strategy I, I, I got involved with with Dave is here in Ohio, we have a, a later muzzleloader season that falls in the first half of January. Um, and he kind of, we, we elect that time period to actually go into new pieces of public and kind of explore and scout in season essentially. But you also do have that ability to still be hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, yeah, scouting in season is obviously, you know, the best time to scout. I mean, that's when, you know, that's when the deer are on the patterns that they're going to be doing when you're during hunt season. And as far as muzzler season goes, um, you know, you, you can kind of uh, get a judgment on the kind of pressure you're going to get, you know, uh, during your normal bow season or your rut, I guess. You know, the, about the same amount of people that are out there during muzzler season is about the same amount of pressure you're going to get during the rut mm-hmm. you know the rest of your bow season it's kind of a little bit sparse and then during gun season obviously you have the orange army so when public land goes if you're trying to trying to just go to a new piece and say oh well i want to know how much pressure this piece gets you know you can kind of get a decent judge on on how much pressure the rut will have during that late muzzleloader season i guess because mm-hmm. part of you know part of scouting is is scouting other hunters, you know, that's that's the that's part of scouting on public. You're literally scouting other hunters almost as much as you're scouting the deer. Right, you know, you're right. seeing what all the other hunters are doing because you know you got to learn what the deer are going to do to avoid those other hunters' patterns. Hopefully, you're seeing some of those Instagram hunters too. Those are good sites to look at, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve, Steve, we have we have a term for these guys. Um, we, and we gals. call them and gals, uh, but we call them dicky mo's. <laughs> And generally, a dicky mo will get out of his truck and walk 15 minutes in a given direction. Generally, the easiest path of resistance uh-huh. and setup. Uh, generally, you know, the, the, the dicky mo is the weekend warrior, but just doesn't necessarily have the most advanced tactics or strategy when it comes to hunting public. Um, or he lacks passion. Which call, yeah, yeah, you should call him yeah, Stevie Mo's. No. Call him Stevie Moe's. <laughs> Call him Stevie Moe's. <laughs> that is. You are a dicky mo. You are. No, I am not. When it came to public, yeah, you found the nearest tire and you sat on it. I drove past that uh, parcel today. There's another tire in there. Oh, my oh God. Oh, it is fantastic. Anyway, back to, <laughs> yeah. back to, back back to these guys real that, quick, right, Steve? That is a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a great tip to you know see where all the other hunters are going because you know there's there's so many times that you hear you know guys especially that live over in Iowa where Eric's talking about where they're like dude nobody's ever hunting there I drive past that all the time in October no cars are over, ever there you know seeing where where the guys are parked where they're going into and seeing where they're going in is is really huge i'm sure everybody it's very important yeah i'm sure everybody says they do it but you know to what extent do you really do it you guys obviously gave them a name so you know you know what i mean (laughs) right you went to uh and to to touch on you he said driving by and seeing where guys parked are at and whatnot you know if if we have spots that are semi close to the road those are definitely spots where we drop off a buddy at. There's no vehicle left there. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's another little tip, I guess, uh, as far as the public land goes. There that's go. a really great tip. And I was thinking when Steve was saying that, I'm like, well, if I, if I was deep into hunting public ground, I'd have one of those bikes that you could pedal but charge, and I'd park where everyone else parked or parked one spot and bike down and go in and hide my bike and then hike in the rest of the way. Man, can you charge your cell phone off one of those? I'm sure you could, Steve. I'm sure you could. <laughs> Need one. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about, um, I guess, public ground. In our area, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's kind of, uh, there's not a lot of it. And maybe there is, but it's a lot further than we are willing to drive for uh, like a work day hunt after the after we get off work or even just on like a two-day weekend. Um, and, and some of the public we do have doesn't look very good or doesn't seem very good. You, you hear stories about like, oh, there's so many people out there. You never see any deer. I mean, what's your guys' like, what judgment do you make on property when you first see it as, as public ground? Yeah, there's definitely something to getting out away from a, a population and putting that drive time in that you mentioned. We have a couple of spots that are closer in that 45-minute loop uh, of where we reside in Columbus that we can kill does there, but to kill a mature buck, it, it takes a little something special. A majority of our spots are closer to an hour, 15, hour, and 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, the, that's separating a lot of guys. You know, you got to get up at, say, 3.30 a.m., mm-hmm. drive an hour and a half, hike in 45 minutes, hang a stand 10, 15 minutes to get that up. Um, that that does separate a, a lot of people. Um, as far as other ways to, to, to gauge if a piece is, is worth your time or not, Mm-hmm. Obviously, if there's a lot of other public within 30 minutes of that, that helps. the The eastern and southern side of our states have a lot more side of our state has a lot more public ground, a lot more what I'll call quality public ground. Um, not to say you can't do it on the western side. There's just not as much availability. Mm-hmm. So typically, when you guys are hanging stands, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you guys are only hanging them what six, seven feet off the ground. I'm just going. By, <laughs> I'm just going by whatever I see out in public ground. <laughs> How do you guys? No, kind of, I, I heard the sigh. Yeah, I heard it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, on. no, Steve. Like, um, so we kind of evolved. We used to do the uh, the nicer climbers. Um, we had invested in those, and they worked great. Um, getting up twenty to thirty feet, not a problem. Um, also, very efficient, very fast at getting up. But um, we made the jump to the, you know, hang on and, and stick combo. A uh, little heavier setup, but we have, oh, four different type of stands, three different type of sticks, and trying to figure out what we like best mm-hmm. as far as the, the mobility run and gun set. Um, that, that 15 minutes is basically the time you spend half of it probably getting the stand off your back and getting, like, your tow rope ready, getting your, your first, you know – um, step on the tree with your extender and then um, getting ready to, to physically climb. The hanging, the actual climb and hanging a stand is literally probably seven minutes. It's, it doesn't take all that long. It's, it's more the prep work mm-hmm. um, that goes into that. And obviously mounting a camera arm takes a little time. Traditionally, I'll hang my stand, come back down the tree and put on my final uh, layer or two, especially my pants. I'm not going to put on my, my secondary pants up in the stand, but I may leave my jacket off until I do cool, cool down completely. Yeah. And, uh, and guys also helps when you have, uh, 
somebody like Byron who can go up and hang your stand for you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dude! I've, I just stand on the ground and and, and hook stuff to the tow rope. And he's up in the tree. Like here you go, pull this up. It's ready. I'm feeling that. <laughs> you know, it. I wish I had more good public ground within 45 minute drive, and maybe there is. I know our buddy Gene Miller hunts some public ground, and I think I'm going to take him up on going out and scout and look at it because the way you guys are talking, the way you hunt public land. I mean, not. It, it, I can kind of relate because I sort of hunt the ground I hunt, private ground, how you guys talk about. Like, I'm very active. Like, I am I move a lot with it with with intelligence. Is I'm not, like, moving into the wrong winds and tromping all over the place because it's private ground. I want to keep the deer there, and I'm hopefully the only guy tromping around in there, which is not always the case, especially during gun season on one of my properties. Um, but that's what was able to put me on the deer I killed this last season is – I had nothing for south wind, and to make a south wind work for this property, I had like a sliver of ground, and I was like, well, I can't hunt anything else, so I moved to stand, and that the same tactic you guys are saying, just hang and hunt, $25 stand, kill my buck first morning sitting in it at six yards. It's just, you can't be lazy on, even private ground can be pressured, but not near oh, as pressured sure. as public ground, it depends where you're at on that on that uh, public ground, but you can't be lazy ever. Because it's uh, deer are moving and, and you got to move with it and you got to move quick to catch them off guard. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, Byron talked about linking up with me to uh, to explore some of this public ground stuff. And because you know, he became he started learning that at least with his particular small piece of private that he has, it's it's a less is more type of game. Mm-hmm. You know, he as least many tracks in and out of that piece that he has, the better. So he's like, well, I'm not just going to sit around and, and wait till Halloween to hunt. So he started exploring some public land and they started seeing deer and we started seeing deer together. And it, you know, it, it's kind of turns into, you know, he's hunting public for, you know, most, most of the time, you know, we're in public land, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, Byron does have a small piece and it's, 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 you know, he'll hunt there two, three times a year type of type of place. So I, I got a question. Um, Like in Ohio, can you guys leave your stands up on public ground or do you have to take them down after each hunt? No, you can leave them uh, with the season as long as it's not like a permanent uh, damaging trees, that kind of thing. But you can leave a stand and come back to it, and we will do that occasionally um, if that's, we that's if we feel this. Yeah. yeah, very rare. We, we when we go into a spot on public, we for the most part have no intention of going back to that spot. We we plan on killing on our first kill into an area and and everywhere we go. And just I think he just mentioned his first sit in the stand that bucket i mean if that, there's something about the first sit in a new spot that is you know it's there's no scent ever been touched on that ground sure, yeah there's sure. something like ohio has like a an ohio big buck club that's a a little bit higher record book uh standards than pope and young i believe and they released some statistics about the 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 amount of deer killed on first and second sits and it's something like 38 or almost 40% of their entries are killed by guys who have sat that stand one or two times. Um, and to me, that was just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, that, that, that larger percentage would made up that record book. 
I mean, that, I mean, yeah, it is surprising to see that. It definitely is, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, is that not two years, two years in a row you've hung a stand and killed a deer yeah. and a buck out of it the next day? Yeah, this, se- this yeah. last season I killed my buck and first And the year morning, before that. And the year before, yeah, first morning. How, that, that's how my last buck was also. It's first I thing. shot that doe. I hung that stand that day and I shot that doe. It's just they're not expecting you there. Huh? It's, the thing is, like, you Surprise. have your stands, the old trustworthy stands, and uh, if this happens, take them down and, and move. Um, but old school stands that have been there forever like hey yeah go uh, i used to hunt a really big piece of public or uh, private ground and uh one of my buddies is like hey you can hunt my stand try it out see if you like the area so i sit there and still as a board just hanging out doe walks in looks straight up to see if i was in the stand you know, she's checking she knows that spot oh, yeah. Yeah. she's felt that pressure before it's no surprise that guys kill big deer on first sits in especially on morning hunts if if you move in right with the right wind and you go in how you should go in and get in there and and you can close a deal it just yeah. uh it takes yeah. that preparation so, but but let me ask you this you know you guys mentioned you you moved away from the climbers which it sounds like that's a slam dunk for you guys well why did you move away from from climbers to the to the the sticks and and hang-ons you know if it seems like the first couple times you sit in there, you're going to have the best luck. Um, well, you know, for, for me, it was a big thing. So I just, I went traditional, um, two years ago. And for me, it was, I know I'm going to find them, find these new spots and okay. I really want to set up in this spot right here. Exactly. And there was no trees that a climber would go into. And there's multiple trees that got branches, you know, good gnarly silver maples and whatnot that if I had a hang on, I could get into with plenty of cover. So, you know, cause you know, at least, at least going traditional, you need to be, you know, there's, there's a specific area you want to be in cause you want to be able to shoot two trails. You want to be able to shoot a trail or whatnot. Your kill radius is reduced dramatically. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be, you know, I need to be in this tree. And so it's, you know, when you go with the hang ons, any tree in the woods is available to hang basically. For sure. And the thing is guys, I don't know if you'd agree. I mean, I don't know what stands you use. If you need to make a plug, by all means, yeah, make plug a plug. It. But uh, no, no, we we run four different stands. We got two XOPs, one lone wolf, uh, a muddy, and a hawk, as well mm-hmm. in the arsenal of run and gun stands. I drove past XOP today. Well, yeah, XOP's uh, not far from right us. In Dubuque. Um, th- those yeah, guys Cody are pretty Quisto, cool. Good dude. Yeah, what I like about those guys the most, man, from just talking to them at trade shows and stuff, and and I have a natural like uh, attraction to people as as just anything in general is like they're automatically really cool, and it's because how I just do things. And some of my friends, they're extremely tattooed and they're gauged out. <laughs> and in my opinion, those are nine times out of ten some of the nicest people you can if ever talk to. If they're hunting with tattoos and gauges, they're an honest human being, right, Kurt? I would, I would hope so. <laughs> but uh, He's lying. I, I'm the guy that I'll buy $25 stands, though, at the same time at Walmart if I find them, it would, no matter what it is, and I'll hunt out of those because I'm a working-class guy. I can't afford... I would love to be able to buy boxes and boxes of XOPs or Lomelos or whatever, but, pallet of lone wolves. but $25 <laughs> hang-ons will, will work for me. And yeah, I, I've killed a lot of deer out of those. Stands. Dude, the big dogs. Oh man, you sitting them in the. You, those you are get, the worst of the bunch, though. You know, you know what the <laughs> the good thing with the, with the big dogs is, and you sitting them one time, and they're comfortable, and that's the one time you need to kill that big buck. That's a one time because that cushion just gets. Oh man, by the time you get out of it, it's flat it's, as a pancake. I don't know yeah. about you, skinny guys, but for me, it is. 
Yeah. The, the, the advantage though with those lighter, you know, the, those higher dollar hang on is, you know, obviously we're going to pack in a mile, right. a mile and a half sometimes. The, the, that light, you know, aluminum frame and then they, they are meant to hang easier. Hanging the, those, the, the $25 Walmart specials. Trust me, I've got a few of them. They're, they're oh, nice they to suck. have them. They oh, suck. They're terrible. <laughs> oh. Nothing worse than hanging those stands. Not, not gonna lie. I'd rather drag a deer out, do that much work than, than hang some of those cheaper, heavy, you know, but I will, ons. I will lay out a tip here though. A lot of the, a lot of my prime time stands that I have are there because of I did a trial run with one of those cheap stands, threw it up. I was like, I like this spot. Seems good. And then I'll swap her out. Like it, it's, it's a science. Like I agree. If I'm going to go in like you guys are, if I'm going to pack in, I'm going to take one of my lone wolves or one of my mm-hmm. lighter stands. Or I have a muddy, I have a hawk. I, I, I experiment. Tree stands are kind of my guilty yeah. pleasure. And all my <laughs> buddies know this. Like I'll buy up a variety of different brands to try them. So I know what I like, what I don't like. And, uh, but I will, I, if I see a pile of those $25 stands, I buy them up. I have oh, five in sure. my shed right now. are just ready to rock somewhere. Oh, you know what? I got, I got a question for you guys. What do you guys feel about ladder stands? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, th- I, think, I think it's a Dickie Moe thing right there. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a Dickie thing. Moe thing, man. It's a Stevie Moe thing. I love ladder stands. It's a Stevie Moe thing. about you guys? Yeah, you like oh, they're, the- they're definitely easy and convenient, you know, if, you have, uh, if, it, if you've got it in a good stationary spot with some backdrop behind you and whatnot. But, I mean, for, you know, obviously for what do we do, it, there's no way. Okay, let me can I let me play out a scenario here for you guys, and I want you guys to basically explain how you're going to approach this certain scenario, if that's cool with you guys. Cool. You get permission from little old lady, maybe her name's Ethel, and she owns a, a 12-acre piece of solid timber behind her property. What's the first thing you do? You give thanks to Bert because he passed what's, away uh, last What's year. the time of year, Kurt? Let's go... That's a very good question. Oh, man. Nope, nope, nope. We're gonna go. Let me feed October eighth. October eighth. I've gained permission to a ten acre private patch of timber. Yep. From Ethel. She goes to church every Sunday. Only a, has a Cadillac to drive there. <laughs> the first thing I'm gonna do is obviously pull up any sort of topo and aerial photos of the place. Um and, and try and just make smart estimations as to what kind of property I think I'm dealing with without stepping foot inside. Do I think I've got maybe some oaks? Can I see if the, there's still leaves on some of the winter pictures online? Um, I'm going to look at maybe how dense it is, how thick it looks, maybe even from the road. I'm going to road scout that area for sure before ever stepping foot. And if it's October 8th... It's outside in, I'd say. You, know, you, you stay on the outskirts at first. And then you know, and you know, you might as well go give it a chance. You you have to. You, you don't know if anything's there until you jump it out. Right. Yeah. So I'd probably, like Dave says, hunt the outside. Maybe like uh, what they call like that observation stand is a hot hot word today in, in today's hunting. But I'd start outside in, and I try to figure out the bedding. Um, I hunt a, a very small, you know, primary bedding piece, and and that that dictates my movement from there. Um, to the next step in how I would approach that eight to 10 acre piece. Very good tips. I think. And and a lot of that might seem sort of basic to some of our listeners, but I think there's a lot of listeners that can, can benefit from a scenario like that because a 10 acre patch is what a lot of guys have to hunt. So so that being said, but let me, let me throw this other scenario at them. 
Before you say something stupid, Steve. Oh, because um, I was going to. <laughs> I was totally going to. Let's throw, okay, we'll do a 30-acre patch of timber All right. that you get, and we'll say this is October 25th. 30-acre patch of timber, and then there's 10 acres of CRP to the north. Harold owns this. Harold. Mm, okay. Um, let's see. Is the is the field acreage available to be seen from a distance safely without obviously you, you know educating deer? There's standing corn to the south of this patch of timber, and then the the CRPs to the north. Okay. I'll give you a minute to think about it because you got to kind of play this out for a minute. This is not going to be like an immediate response answer. I'll let our listeners know. And this, I'm, we've never done this type of question before, but we might start doing it more often. Honestly, I don't even know what I would do at that point. I just wanted to see because public ground or, or it's private. We'll say this is private or however you guys want to play this scenario. But this is a uh, this is good for conversation because you guys uh-huh. can break it down as we conversate if that's what you need to do. Because um, sometimes it takes a lot of thought. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. Yeah, oh, they're, oh, they're talking strategy now. I heard. Yeah, I'd say wait for like a, a westerly wind of some sort. You know, so you can get a little bit of crosswind there. Um, you really you potential bedding to your north, potential bedding to your south. Mm-hmm. I mean, feeding to your south. So I guess your best bet's going to be deer traveling north to south. Mm-hmm. I'm going from CRP to the corn. I mean, but even then, it's a it's a hodgepodge because then you're getting there. You're getting closer towards the end of October. Um, so I, I would still hunt it. I'd probably still hunt it. I mean, I would just go under risky. You just got the piece. I mean, where you've been hunting somewhere else previously. Mm-hmm. So you have backup places to go in and I'd probably hit it pretty aggressively and I'd probably stay on the ground and, uh, just, you know, you know, if, if it's, if, if you're seeing a lot that first time in there, I mean, that's a good time of year that you're going to see some deer. So, and if you're seeing a lot, then you might back out and take a more, um, methodical approach to it and, uh, you know, find your stand location and whatnot. But I think I, I, that, that's why I hunt public land because I like to be aggressive. I like to go in there and if I jump a deer, guess what? There's another one a few hills over. I think I See, would completely agree with that answer, yeah. Dave, for sure. Dave, I, I would, I, I'm on 100% on board with that answer. Dave hitting the triple double, showing up Byron once again. Good Lord, Byron, <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> hey, let, uh, let me ask you this. Nope. Let, let Byron talk. Oh, oh, Byron, oh Byron, you yeah, want to answer. One thing I yeah. may do with this piece is, is go in in the evening mm-hmm. when I can see a little bit more of, of sign and, and make an educated guess on where I might set up. Dave's a little more aggressive than I am. Being that it's that late October period and, and scrapes might be a little more active, um, I may sneak in there and, and try and find either a rub line or, or some scrape activity and, and set up uh, according to that. Or if I find some acorns dropping, that buck may get on his feet just a few minutes earlier that time of year and check an oak flat leading out to the save that corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That, that end of October, you know, the, the bucks aren't necessarily – bed all day and get up at night because they're going to get up just a hair earlier towards the end of October and they're going to go scout around and try to find where the does are at because they know in a week or so, you know, that, that, that's what, that's the does that they're going to be targeting. For sure. And I would almost even say, um, if they're say this methodical property, um, has a road near it, like Byron kind of where you, you were leaning is you could almost road scout this, see where the deer are moving from North to South or wherever they're coming out on the timber they're going to that fe- that field to the south of the of the that, property. That standing corn, though, that could be a tough. I know it could be it tough. Could be to tough. See. Yeah, it depends. Oh, it it yeah. all depends on what's if the if the corn's been picked. 
if it's a lot plays into it. And oh yeah, good answers from both you guys. And uh, sorry if I threw too heavy of a question at once at you, but oh, I like it. But uh, I think that the, was a really the good standing answer. corns. What got me? Because yeah. <laughs> you can't pattern deer year after year. Standing corn changes their pattern for the year. Yeah. Oh sure. Especially yeah. going from corn to beans or vice versa. You know. Yeah. Exactly. You never. Yeah. They, that when they're standing corn. And, and some farms get picked earlier than others, and that just throws a loop in every pattern that you've been studying. Mm-hmm. Well, and I found, too, with my properties is, like, if it's staining corn one year, they're going to take a totally different path if it's beans if it's beans or corn. For sure. Yeah. Agreed. Yep, definitely. So they'll make huge loops out of their way if they can do it in the safety of cover. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about some strategies that you guys got going on. And uh, you know, I kind of grilled you on it. Some of your gear, I, I want to get to know what other what other gear you guys like to use. Public land guys, you got to use something that you guys. Public land, you just have to travel further than you normally would. You know, public or you know, private land, you know exactly where you're going. You can cut paths to it. Public, a little bit different. You got to have some stuff that holds up. What's some of the uh, things that you guys use? What do you guys like? As far as gear goes, yeah, I, I uh, currently run a. a <laughs> yeah, that was a weird question. I'm that's sorry. A very rough question. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, I run a uh, Mully system actually on my standing sticks currently. So that's like a, a military shoulder straps, which with a lap band that kind of helps take some of that weight of the stand sticks in a backpack because you're looking at 25 pounds between your standing sticks um, and roughly. 15 pounds in your backpack between your binos, your camera gear, your arm. So you're looking at 40 pounds on your back. So that Mully system takes, you know, the, the junk straps that those, those hang-ons come with to, to carry in and it makes it a much more tolerable experience. Um, I'm actually researching a couple backpacks to that'll accommodate a stand and stick combo, both the, uh, Eberstock X2 and the, uh, Badlands like 2200 are kind of my leaders in the clubhouse right now that, that, that I'm looking to purchase before my next season for sure. Nice. Yeah. We're a fan of the Badland stuff. Uh, we've done, we done some work with those guys. Uh, we have a, got to check in with all our boys at Badlands and get a podcast lined up. But, uh, I use the Badlands super day and, uh, I packed in some stands and you can throw a lot in that pack. Uh, so definitely good gear, lifetime warranty as well. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah, and by myself, I, I've you know honestly, I've done it. The, I've done it the hard way <laughs> with with crappy clothing, crappy gear for for years. I'm just now starting to buy some better quality stuff, and it's uh it's a dramatic difference. <laughs> for sure, I, mean, it, I was the funny? guy with you know yeah, I was that guy with the Walmart long johns and two hoodies and you know and and just sweating on my way in and freezing once i'm in there for two hours i did that for many years working class guy right there man oh, yeah. Can't I, hate still that. <laughs> I appreciate it i appreciate that so what um the one i'll oh, go ahead oh i was just gonna ask what uh what cameras you guys run into to, to film your hunts and things uh primarily we're running a couple canon dslrs i've got the uh oh the t5i um i like it another of our guys has that and dave you've got the 60d so we don't obviously we're packing in we can't bring the kitchen sink into into the woods to film our hunts um a listen uh, uh you know something for your listeners if they're looking for a knockoff gopro we have found 
the the SJ Cam 4000 to be a pretty decent knockoff GoPro um, for under a hundred bucks. Shoots, you know, 1080p time lapse video pictures. Um, that's something the working man can get into without having to drop the GoPro price. Uh-huh. Yeah, and that's no. We use the uh, I have the adventure cams, kind of the same deal, you know, off brand GoPro. Yeah, we have one yeah. in the studio right now. Yeah, it's same size, same type of housing. Yeah, do those SJ cams have like a little remote on them too? Yeah, like you can sync mm-hmm. uh, your phone to do the uh, like Wi-Fi. Oh, and, for and sure, on and off from your phone, so that's pretty slick. Yeah, you can't beat that. I mean, versus like four or five hundred dollars GoPro, and we have one here. The I don't know what is it there. Adventure the Cam Ten, and it's like sixty-seven bucks. You know, whole deal. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather spend you know four hundred dollars and put that towards maybe a, an out west trip. Yeah, right. no Absolutely. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you guys are in Columbus, Ohio. I guess I didn't put two and two together until you mentioned that earlier in the episode. Yeah. You guys uh, yeah. is your biggest. Your idol in the hunting world is it, uh, um, Tom Miranda? <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, Tom Miranda did. Uh, he he started his career trapping here in Ohio. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's um, Eastern Ohio, I believe. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. We we have some big buck killers. Uh, Adam Hayes comes to mind when you think of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, he's the big one. He's Columbus. Oh, yeah, yeah. We see him at uh, our local bow shop a decent amount, so that's kind of cool. Is it fair to say that Ohio is kind of divided? Because our good buddy Clint Casper is from Ohio. He does the working class bow hunter uh, camo collar blog, and he's been yeah. on quite a bit. Um, he's from Ohio. Um, I think he's two hours northeast of Columbus, if I'm correct. Um, okay. But it seems like Ohio is kind of divided down the middle as a big buck state. Yeah, the the western side of the state has more agriculture and smaller woodlots. Mm-hmm. Um, the the eastern side of the state, and I think in that, that that there's a couple counties that are known to produce some quality bucks. Seem to be oh to our east. I don't know, forty five minutes. Any county though in Ohio can produce a, a big you know a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it just does seem like either the number of hunters connecting on big bucks seems to be on that eastern side. Mm-hmm. Really, that's a, that's that is interesting, interesting because we always hear about how Indiana's a sleeper state, and you think the closer you get to Indiana, but maybe it seems like it's a gap. Like you got small bucks in Iowa, big bucks in Illinois. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You know, and then big in <laughs> El- Indiana, and then then Ohio's that kind of weird divider. I, I don't. Know, I hear more about big bucks in Ohio than I do Indiana, for sure. I've yeah, I would hearing, agree. Yeah, but I've been hearing that. But but none on public on land, right, Kurt? That's what I heard. What the, what's that? What <laughs> I said, but none on public land is what I heard. <laughs> oh, good that, lord! That might be correct. Um, <laughs> Steve just doesn't really know what he's doing here on the podcast. We just have him around for a good time and make fun of him. No, I know um, exactly what I'm doing. Everything is methodical. That's right. Someone used that word earlier, and I love that. That's right. That, that's a pro wrestling term for boring. Steve, you'd be a lot more popular <laughs> if you had cleavage. Oh wait, hold on. Never mind, guys. No, hey, 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 you want to start an gonna... Instagram page, guys? <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> Uh, oh god! I, 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 Is that those Huntress Instagram pages you're talking about? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. We should start just putting mine up there. See if see how many hits we can get. <laughs> That's a bad oh, idea. Yeah. I've <laughs> lost track of this episode all of a sudden. Bring us back, Kurt. How do you guys use um, like public ground? How does trail cameras play into public ground hunting, or does it? 
Um, I mean, not much, honestly. We do throw them out occasionally to, to you know, maybe luckily catch a nice one moving through. Um, but, you know, other than that, that, you know, and if, if we do catch a good one moving through, we might hone in on that area um, just because we know he's he's in the area. I mean, I mean, we'll use the time that we see him and whatnot to, mm-hmm. to judge to judge whereabouts he might be betting or whatnot. But, yeah, public land-wise, they're, they're pretty much not really worth it. It's just that's, – that's honestly, that's some of the, the greatest part about public is because you don't know what bucks are, on, are out there. Mm-hmm. And any, any big buck you see is a, is a new buck for the most part. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's really exciting when you see a big one coming in that you've just never seen before rather than saying, oh, yeah, that's this guy. Right. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. That, is, that is cool. I, the more I talk to um, guys that have experience in public ground, the more I'm interested in actually getting after it and, and, uh, and going for it and making a point to try and kill a buck on public ground. That way, because I don't know about you guys, when you guys kill a good deer on, on, on private ground that you've worked your ass off for, and it's never it's never a, a slam dunk, no matter what. It's hunting. It, that's why it's called hunting, not killing. Um, but even on public or on private ground, if you can bust your ass for a big buck and you kill it, and then you have uh, Steve say, "Well, you just killed that deer because you shot it on on private ground. You have good property." Well, it's man, I busted my no, ass. Yeah. I, well, well, public, I, I find it like public. That. Yeah, I find it public only for you know for years. And, you know, I don't believe that way, even the slightest. It's not any easier necessarily. It's, it's different, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, like, you know, a lot of private is a less is more game. You know, you just, you, you know, you have to force yourself to stay out the woods sometimes. You have to hunt it completely differently. It's just completely different tactics. It's, it's in no way really any easier, in my opinion. Right. And I'm a public man guy. For sure. Yeah. Like you say all the time, David, if deer were as, patternable as everybody claims they were everyone would have a, a bunch of bucks on their wall that are over pope and young but you know your average guy doesn't have that mm-hmm. absolutely yep i would 100 percent agree with that um is there something we didn't cover that we need to cover guys i mean as far as scouting some some public we we did talk about this earlier eliminating acreage is also a huge part of the game i feel you know not necessarily finding your hunting hole but eliminating spots um, we went to a piece a couple weeks ago, and we walked in. I had found this 800-yard ridge. I'm like, there's got to be bucks cruising this ridge. It's away from the road. It looks good. If he's using thermals and wind, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. And we got out of the truck. We walked 50 yards in, and I'm like, let's eliminate this side of the road. We, we, we sweep through that piece, and we finally get back to my ridge that I'm like, this is going to be money. And we walked the whole thing, and I only found what I considered one doe bedding area and just not the amount of sign. And I was, I, I had to tell myself, look, this isn't worth it, even though topographically it makes perfect sense why this should be a hot ridge. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't work out. Another thing that, like, I think is important when, when scouting some public is not to draw a conclusion too early. A lot of times, you know, you need to, to – learn several pieces or areas and then kind of put a put a uh, a whole wrapping on the area we walked that piece and i found a bunch of rubs 100 yards from the truck i'm like what is this all about i'm finding buck sign after buck sign not necessarily finding any droppings or any kind of reason they would meander through here but i'm just finding rub after rub and obviously you get excited but a lot of rubs are made at night and you know seem to be sometimes overrated Mm mm-hmm 
And I walked another two, three hundred yards and ended up finding two doe bedding areas, one potential buck bed that I wasn't a hundred percent sure on. But then it kind of dawned on me that this rub line is probably hot that last week of October when these bucks are obviously working the top of this above these doe bedding areas, scent checking to try and find that first hot doe. You know, I don't think a couple years ago when I'd started, I'd have just said, okay, there's rubs here, moving on. I wouldn't have found out why those rubs are there or made an educated guess at when I may go in and hunt that rub line. Um, So I think, you know, finding the full picture of what's going on in an area is an important part of, of scouting public ground. And that's, and that's going to bring with you jumping of deer. You know, you're going to have to be on your feet moving, whether it's October and you're trying to check out a new piece in October because, you know, scouting during season is some of the best time. You know, you, you still hunt, you scout, you check it out, how's it looking, and you either eliminate or you stay. And it, it might be jumping deer or mm-hmm. seeing deer. And, you know, if you jump a group of six, seven does, you know, and more likely them does are going to go back, you know, especially on public. You know, those, those deer get jumped all the time. They get spooked left and right from who knows what. So you know does are in that area. Then you, you might back out and come back in there during the rut, you know, when a buck's going to come check that area. But, you know, you have to – you can't be scared to death to, to jump deer, especially on public. You know, if you jump a buck out of its bed and you know, oh, he's been here all the time, you, you might even go towards the bed and see – yeah, this is definitely a buck bed. He lays here a lot. You know, guess what? That buck got away from you, so that bed worked. You know, he's going mm-hmm. to come back. You know, he eluded the danger. That's a good point. That's a very good point. A very um, in-depth. Kind, of, kind of a different, yeah, in-depth way to look at that. That's a, a very good tip. Yeah, we, yeah, you just, you know, I, me personally, like I said, I do, I am a little more aggressive. Jumping deer is not a problem for me, even the slightest. You know, I don't think that I just blew him completely out of the state, especially on public, you know. Now you talk a private, private where you got woodlot and, you know, woodlot, woodlot, woodlot scattered around. You might bump them deer to the neighbor's woodlot and they might not come back. So it's just a different game. For sure. For sure. And that's, uh, that's something I took into consideration on this new property that I, I hunted this last season is uh, the stand of hung, uh, hung was in a pinch, or a, I guess a funnel, if you will, and there was a creek access point to it, and I walked through the creek every time I went to that stand, and it, it paid off for me. And that's a little stuff like entry and exit. Um, if you're a little worried about it, go in at the right wind, go in uh, low scent. Uh, creek, walking through a creek does a lot for <laughs> leaving a scent trail because uh, there isn't one. Um, it's just little stuff like that I think gets overlooked by a lot of people. And yeah. a lot of people can just break it down, look at it in a simplistic form. I think Bill Winky broke it down. He's like, if your hunt plan looks like a football play, it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah. Kurt, one of my strategies for, for hunting, say, my little piece of, of private that I think, you know, your listeners could, could, could go in on, is when I go to, to hunt my best stand, I, A, I don't touch it until – November six plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm staying out of my piece most of October. I may go in the last last week of October to a stand I got 50, 60 yards from the road. But when I go to my best stand that's in between two doe bedding areas, I go in an hour early and I stay all day. So I only have one track going in and out, you know, to my best stand, reducing that, you know, in and out traffic. Because, hey, I've got to go walk, walk past a majority of my property. So I'm obviously going to educate some deer when I do that. But that first time sit, making that either an all day sit, 
and I don't physically stay in the stand all day. I'll get down at the base of my tree and eat a sandwich midday. I've been known to take a nap below it, but I still only have one entry and exit trail that day when I go to my best stand. That's a good tip too, actually. I mean, you're better up being out there all day and getting down like what well, you said, take a little nap, eat a sandwich, do your thing. I've done the, it. I've done it. Well, yeah, then to just walk to the truck if you know you're going to go all the way right back out there anyway. Um, but, no, good tips. I think that's what we want to bring with these podcasts is if you listen to all 100 and whatever episodes we've done and you can pick something up from each person that has that does this or this or this and you can put those all together to develop your perfect hunting plan for your property in your unique circumstance, that's really what we want and yeah it's nice i mean you might have all the views in the world but just get one other guy's opinion you'd be like oh i could change that up in one way right we'll yeah. a better hunt yeah like the one scent trail in for that whole day is is a really big deal it's key. and that is key uh, especially when you have a five and a half year old six and a half year old if your eric can shoot what was your buck seven and a half eight and a half he was eight and a half eight and a half deer if they don't youngster they don't deer like that don't <laughs> fuck up on 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 being an idiot, they they they're that old because for a they reason. Yeah, for a reason, yeah, because they picked up on that sort of stuff, and that's how they've eluded it. And would you kill that buck your first sit in, Eric? One of second. them, second, second sit in, second sit. Yeah, see, there again, we've went around the room, and all these guys have, have talked about that first time sit, just or second time sit being so effective. Oh, um, it's so I think good. that's that's huge when you're hunting these these smaller pieces and i also think another another tip i i've noticed huge improvements on is is getting in that hour before first light Mm -hmm. um yeah it sucks sitting there in the dark because you're not looking at anything but that allows that gives me a little time to to make sure i set up my my equipment quietly that also i've watched my neighbors come in with their headlamps and jump me and push me deer for the day and (laughs) it I sit there and I have a smirk on my face because I I decided I was going to get up an hour earlier because I want that deer on my wall. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you know, there is stuff to look at, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that hour before. But I mean, honestly, yeah. that's the thing. <laughs> when people say like, "Oh, having your cell phone in the stands bad," I I do agree with that eighty five percent because the other fifteen percent that can help you get through an all day sit oh, yeah. in the stand. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, uh, exactly. It keeps you in. It definitely it keeps you in the stand longer. Anything that'll keep you in the stand longer is going to make you more successful. Yeah, right. S- sitting in a new spot is the most exciting hunt that you'll ever have. Especially oh, you sure. pick up a new piece and you hang a stand there. You have no idea what's going to happen. You know, say you talk keep, to Ethel and she toes. goes, "Oh, I see a couple of deer every once in a while." You know, just like I used to have my uh, my grandkids come out and, and she gives you that story. But then you sit in the stand and you're like, "That lady couldn't tell you a, a fork buck from a Pope and young deer," and <laughs> you know, and they're and they're monsters. It, it just you never know. I'm just saying, she she doesn't know the difference between you're losing me. Dude. I'm not losing. Yeah. I'm just saying <laughs> well, that well, first Steve, hunt. I use, you I never use my neighbors to actually help me on my place. Yeah. I've got a guy across the street who hunts every weekend. Doesn't really play the wind or plays the wind well. I've got another neighbor who they, there's two of them that hunt a 60 acre piece, and all of October they're just educating deer. They're just increasing my doe population on my little acreage piece, and. It seems to be kind of the ticket for me, but I, I let my neighbors help me out. You know, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I like them; sure. they're good guys. But I'm not going to say anything about why I don't hunt October. 
Right, right. Yep. I like them. They're good guys, but they're dumb. They're dumb. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully your I'm neighbors don't listen to this. Yeah, and Def Leppard <laughs> sucks. No, I just threw them underneath. I just threw them underneath the table. Sorry about that, uh, or underneath the bus, if you will. Um, it's gonna take a bus to take me down, Kurt. Do you have? I want to hit you guys with rapid fire. If you guys are cool with that, get out of here. Okay. Um, but first, I got to ask you: Is there any questions for us? Ooh, Ugh. ooh, stop doing ooh. this. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, ooh, any questions? I think it would be cool if you guys took a challenge from us and maybe hunted public ground a couple of days and reported back. I've been there. I've done it, and it's it's it sucks. I will do that, man. I will do that. I uh, Kurt, I, I I hear you kind of the last couple of episodes it, a peak of interest, and I think I think I want to I want I want you to take a step out and, and and try it and report back. I want to hear about your experience hunting public. I think, well, you know, I think for public for me is I've always left my stand out there and it's always a thing when you go out there, you're like, the biggest thing is, is my stand still going to be there? That's where we use our, our $25 Walmarts. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, For sure. I think, I think I'm going to go after it, man. I, I, uh, I'm traveling for work this summer, which kind of limits me for how much scouting I can get in, but I can scout when I need to go hunt. I, I can make it work. Um, I, I, I gotta find some more public. There's gotta be some in our area, maybe well, south see, of us. That's the difference between me and you. Is I have public ground around every corner in Iowa, and it's kind of terrible over here in Illinois that you guys don't have that much public ground. It is bad, but you know I will make a point to get out there and check it out, oh, and I will sure. hunt some yeah, this sure. year. I definitely well, will, and I think it'd be cool, and uh, I think it'd be even way cooler if I could kill yeah. some. During this episode, I did have an idea that I'm glad you brought that up, Byron, because. Uh, I've got an idea that me and Kurt will be involved with, and uh, Eric and you can probably have Doug Schmidt involved. And what are you we'll doing? Up. Because you're just you just I have a feeling that you're doing Iowa for Illinois, and you just volunteered me to be on your team, which I might <laughs> I not <did>. be cool <laughs> with. I did, I totally did, dude. I drafted you. I had first pick on the kickball team, and I picked you. What's this, what's this? Let's talk about it real and fast. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about it later. You can't spit it out there and then not. I want to leave it ominous. All right, so hey, check this out. Maybe later this year. I'm we out. do. Okay, I'm out. Kurt's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's too long. That's too long to wait for the thing. But uh, just go ahead. What is it? I had this idea that maybe we do a, um, you know, Iowa and Illinois. Like it's Kurt and Steve. You know, Team Buck McNeely. Like how we first started. Okay, <laughs> that's an inside joke for you guys who listen for a while. But maybe we film a couple hunts where me and you go scout out some public ground. I'm and not hunting with you. You're going to. No. That would be terrible. I said it on the podcast. It has to happen. If I'm hunting public ground, there's no one with me, and I'm I'm Kurt, going Kurt, straight. It's throwing, Kurt and Steve. Throwing the white flag right I'm now. White flag. That. I threw it in. I surrender. I'd rather, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it. Hey, maybe, hey you know what? Maybe we'll make this a Twitter poll. Let's see. If if, if, right, if hey. enough people say yes, you have to do it this year. Let's get back to Byron and Dave. How yeah, well, let's is, get back to Byron and Dave. <laughs> Dave. Okay. Hey, yeah. I tried, Byron. Sorry. Steve just put your if you do try the public game uh, ground, uh, you, it's it, it it's it's fun. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> You'd be surprised what some of the dickimos will will do to you. I'll report back, man, and we'll have like I, we, we've had numerous people literally see us. We wave at them while we're in stand, and they just decide to sit down, you know, forty yards away. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. And, and hunt right there. It's just, 
Apparently, that yeah, wave this, means this is a good spot. Have a seat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's there's a it it it's fun. <laughs> well, boys, if I get out there and do some public ground this year, if I can find some public ground, with I can Steve, even get in yep. on without Steve. Um, I'll have you guys back on. We'll do like a. We, I can have you back on. I'm sure when I'll have a rant or maybe like an hour long rant. We can talk about. <laughs> or you guys, you'll can just... have a lot more than an hour long of ranting. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> okay, well, let me hit you guys with some rapid fire. Let's okay. hear it. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar, but let me hit it with you. The old spiel. Uh, quick answers. Um, as quick as you can be. If you got to explain, you can explain. We understand it. And then we'll just try and hustle through these here and see what you guys are, uh, what you guys are into and, uh, some opinions. And we'll just learn a little bit more about you through the rapid fire. All right. Favorite First question is the most important one. Ah, Kurt, you know, I had to do it. God damn it. Go. <laughs> Who is your guys's favorite pro wrestler? Ray Mysterio jr. Oh, my man. Six one nine. Booyaka. Booyaka. I think I'll have to go with uh, Kane. Kane, he is running for mayor of a town in uh, Tennessee, <laughs> Kentucky. You guys have read about that. That dude is an intelligent dude. He's libertarian too. How do you know this? I don't. That's what I was just trying to figure out. I didn't don't. keep up with him through the years. I'm sorry. Yeah, he le- he is legitimately right <laughs> now running for mayor of a town. Well, it depends on when this episode is. Kane could be the mayor. That's Undertaker's All right, next question. Next, my question. vote's looking pretty good. <laughs> Favorite camo pattern. Ooh, I gotta go catalyst performance myself. That is a uh it's kind of a, a little teaser. This is public ground guys, guys. Pay attention. All right. All right. You, you guys can both go. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm done. Uh, anything open pattern and you know and realistically I don't it came as not a huge thing for me. I just sometimes I just wear solid shirts and plaid vest and whatnot. Solid. Oh, solid. throwback camo. Love it. Favorite movie. Ooh. I'm going to go Gladiator. Great movie. All right. Put me in a tight spot. Uh, Sandlot? The Sandlot? Sandlot's a good movie. <laughs> a okay. There's no way both of your favorite movies are The Gladiator. <laughs> Last song you played? Last song I played... Friends in Low Places was my last karaoke jam. Does that count? Garth Brooks. Oh, that counts. All right, all right. Dave? <laughs> Uh, Bad Company, Five Finger Death Punch. All right. Oh, the cover. Ooh, Love ooh. that song. Favorite or uh, favorite band? <laughs> I got a weird one here. You wouldn't guess this. Um, I'm gonna go with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Oh, yeah, East is. 1999. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's the I'm first gonna go. Justin Moore is my favorite artist. All right. Nice. Nice. Hey, didn't you guys meet Justin Moore? No, I did not meet Justin Moore. I thought you guys did. Uh. Where are we at? Uh, oh, geez. Fa- last song. Oh, wait, I did the last song. Yep. Later. Favorite outdoor magazine. Ooh. Uh, North American Whitetail for me. Uh, I'll go traditional bow hunter. Favorite bow brand. Oh, that's got to be New Breed Archery, our sponsor. Very nice. Very nice. Second favorite bow brand. You don't have to answer. You can you can pass. No, we're, we're, we're real people. Well, my the, the recurve I shoot's a Hoyt. It's a Hoy Buffalo. I'm not really a fan of their compounds, but I'll just go. I'll go, I'll go with Hoyt, I guess, since that's the recurve I shoot. I was a former Matthews guy. All right, all right. Um, where are we at? Backstrap or jerky? Backstrap. Backstrap. Favorite outdoor related show? Oh, Whitetail Adrenaline. 
Ooh. Yeah, definitely. That, definitely I, the same. I, I put my I, neck I like out to, there, and I said yeah, that there is... Go ahead. Of, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep jumping in. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I've listened to, I've listened to a lot of Jared Sheffler stuff, you know, as well as uh, Infault, Dan Infault, and they're they're pretty big uh, motivators in a lot of the ways I hunt, I guess. Yeah, I uh, went ahead and said earlier, I don't know, several episodes ago, that I think that Jared's uh, recent release of Whitetail Adrenaline is maybe the best Whitetail hunting DVD ever released. It's a bold statement. I believe, yeah. I believe it, though. Um, favorite, and we asked this not to be self-serving. We're talking about any podcast, hunting or not. Favorite podcast. Ooh, favorite overall podcast. I think it's got to be you guys for my morning show. Like, I I also like some other. Hmm. I I got a I got a three way tie. I'm not gonna lie. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Let's let's and, share the wealth because our goal here with this is like podcasting should be a thing. Like everyone should have a podcast they listen to, like a radio show. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're oh, only yeah. an hour a week. You got tons of time to listen. So yeah, working class bow hunters up there. Wired to hunt with Mark Kenyon. I, I like him, and I like uh, I like his co-host uh, Dan Johnson on the Nine Finger Chronicles. Um, the, the combination of you three it makes my workday so much easier. We appreciate that. Well, you yeah, six, absolutely. but thank you. And we we understand that Nine Finger Chronicles is not far from us. I don't know for sure. I think it's in Mount Pleasant, which is like an hour and a half yeah. away from us. Is Mount Pleasant an hour and a half away? It's not too far away. We'll have, to, get, we'll have to connect with him. Link up if he wants to. Maybe not. Yeah, well, I'll have to go with. Uh, uh, I mean, I, those are only three podcasts I've ever listened to because those are the three ones that Byron's told me to listen to. <laughs> so, but I'll, I'll go with you guys definitely for what you stand for with the uh, working class bow hunter because I mean that's definitely what we are. You know, we we you know we like to call them weekend warriors, but realistically, I hunt mainly weekends because I work all week. Hey, there you so, go. Absolutely. Well, we so I guess that. I'm a weekend warrior too. Well, yeah, you guys better check out the Monday Morning Podcast by Bill Burr because fantastic podcast. Love it. I'm also a big fan of Fighter and the Kid podcast. Oh, love um, it. So just some, some podcasts to check out. But thanks for the kind words, guys. We appreciate um, it. We'll say this. From the three of us, which host is your favorite host? Oh, here you go. Oh, Kurt, you're my voice of reason half the time is why I send you messages and texts. Oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I guess... Uh, I'm gonna go with Steve because I like to drink some beer. My man, <laughs> this guy, this guy gets it. Yeah, it hasn't happened a while. Steve hasn't got any points in recent episodes. No, yeah, because yeah. because kind of I, I tied recently. I think. Yeah, because Kurt's been handpicking who's getting on. No, he likes you too much. In case we, I also that. think Mark Reif deserves a point. Oh, dude, oh, money yeah. bags. Hey, we are sorry he's absent <laughs> right now. We are sorry he's got children. <laughs> uh, where are we at here? Morning or afternoon hunts? Morning. Oh, uh, yeah, morning. Typical deer or non-typical deer? Ooh. I don't have any non-typicals on the wall yet. <laughs> well, it is Ohio. Uh, yeah, I'll go with non-typical. We know this one. Hang on or ladder stands. <laughs> <laughs> hang on all day. Yeah, hang on. You kill a 200-inch non-typical October 1st. In Illinois. You go back to celebrate. Are you drinking beer or liquor? Oh, Beer. Yeah, beer. I don't really drink too much liquor. <laughs> uh, what's your guys' dream hunt? Ooh. <laughs> Ultimate dream hunt? Probably, I'm, I'm going on an elk hunt this year, and that that's 
that's really top of my list right now. Elk and the Rockies. Awesome, man. Good luck to you. Yeah, now I think I'd like to get up close and personal with a moose. I agree, man. I agree. Uh, top two. Those are some good dream hunts right mm, there, man. Absolutely. Um, what's your favorite restaurant? Timmy's. Ooh. Tim Hortons. <laughs> we got a small Greek place near me called Yanni's that, that makes a pretty good euro. That, that gets my vote. All right. Also cost efficient. I'm down with the cause. Oh, I think I'm just going to go basic with uh, Roosters. It's a it's a wing place. I'm not sure if they're only an Ohio thing or not. Is that in Columbus? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to write that down here. Yeah, because um, you're going to be in Columbus. Yeah, I'll be in yeah, Columbus go, this go weekend. Yeah, go to Roosters. Roosters Wings. There's a, there's a few of them around. Okay, we'll we'll have a conversation right after the episode, so don't hang up on us. So I'll be in there. I'll be there <laughs> yeah. this weekend in your guys' neighborhood. Um, oh yeah, sweet. Favorite tree stand snack? Roosters. <laughs> Timbits. I, I gotta go PB and J myself. Original. I've never drank that beer, but all right. I would lie if I say I didn't bring a McDouble in the tree stand with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking Steve's language now. I'm feeling it. <laughs> Superhero power. You got to pick one. Ooh. Invisibility, so I could kill more deer. Oh, but they're gonna smell you. <laughs> I gotta go with oh man he took mine I guess speed I would be like the flash super speed oh, like, yeah, oh so you could just jump on deer yeah exactly yeah. well I can travel to hunting ground a lot quicker that's for sure <laughs> wake up four minutes before the sunrise yeah I love it fixed or mechanical broadheads all fixed yeah fixed face paint face mask or neither Face paint, but Dave will tell me I suck at doing it. Yeah, he's terrible, but yeah, face paint. Okay, um, fill in the blank. During hunting season, my wife and or girlfriend, <laughs> blank. Wait, you put... Are, are I, a second priority. <laughs> okay. That was by design, Steve. Calm her down. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, I'll say is is probably enjoying... Some alone time. <laughs> Other men. <laughs> oh. Yeah, which which one? I love that. All all of my tree stands are blank. It's a tough one. <laughs> Set and cover. Ooh. Well thought. Um, not normally where I want them to be. <laughs> I like that. During the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. Shed hunt and scout. Um, fish, drink beer, play cornhole. Awesome. Man, this is Sometimes all three at the same time if, if, if optimal. <laughs> this guy would, uh, you would thrive in Iowa, man. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, when yeah. I'm bored in the tree stand, I like to blank play cornhole <laughs> social media that's oh, there my game. you go oh i'd say uh i'd say to, to kind of joke around with uh with with your buddy if they're there filming we just started this filming stuff and having a having a buddy in the tree stand with you is it's it makes it a lot more enjoyable you can you know joke around and stuff for sure for sure all good answers guys um i think this episode, you provided our listeners with a lot, a lot of takeaways from this. Um, I appreciate you guys 
coming on the show, and uh, I appreciate you guys listening to our show mm-hmm. um, and, and just being supporters in general. And uh, Byron, for sure, like me and Eric walked around at ATA, and you were like, Eric, Kurt, and yeah. you stop and talk to us, man. <laughs> that goes a long way with us, and Absolutely. it just shows how real you are, and, and just I'll support anything you guys do. If you guys ever need anything, you just let us know. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having us on and, and great opportunity for us and our brand and uh, great to connect with you guys again. For sure. We'll definitely yeah. do it again, man. We'll have we'll have to do a before hunting season check-in uh, if we can both find the time to make that work. If not, we'll check in after season or in the middle of it, whatever we can make happen. So uh, best of luck to you guys. And go ahead, plug where people can find you and uh, maybe give a, a sneak peek of what you guys got coming, coming next. Yeah, as far as where to find us, you can find us on Instagram – uh, at whitetail underscore experience uh, Facebook the whitetail experience it'll pop up same thing with our YouTube page we got a black orange and white logo so it's pretty easy to know that's us um, as far as future plans for us um, we should have a couple tactic uh, videos coming out on the YouTube page here in the next week by the time this airs it'll definitely be up if not multiple and then I actually have the elk trip planned and I'm going to hunt some public ground early and try and produce a nice short film on that. So uh, awesome. th- those are kind of the things in the works. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This episode will be a featured podcast episode on workingclassbowhunter.com. Go to workingclassbowhunter.com, click on the featured episodes tab, and this one, if depends if you listen to this right when it's released, it'll be on the top. If not, scroll down a little bit click and you'll find video links and photos and and links to their social media and all, all the goods exclusive content exclusive is the content. Word you're looking yep. for you're yeah. right my friend you are right Ooh. my friend first thing i've got right on this podcast that's right um but thanks again guys we really appreciate you eric steve you got anything nope just thanks again for coming on no appreciate it all right yeah, stick, thanks for having us stick around on the phone guys uh to our listeners we love you thanks for tuning in uh, we appreciate everything you do for us, for everything on social media. Listen to every episode. Um, I can't believe you're not sick and tired of us. Um, but, hey, you know what to do. Stick in there. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.